want to open up in prayer. Um, I forgot to hit record, so what the podcast won't say is that I just said happy birthday to Michael. <laughs> Everybody else will know, but not the podcast people. Correct. So there, I've just told you. <laughs> but let me let me open up in prayer, and we'll see what the Lord has this morning. Father, we worship you and we adore you. We praise you. We love you. Father, I pray that you guide every piece of this morning as you have through the worship. I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit and your Holy Spirit being so thick. Father, we long for you. We long for your presence. So we thank you when you send your Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that you are with us in this time. As you have prepared our hearts, Lord, help us to receive what you have with an openness, with an eagerness, with a passionate desire for you. I pray, Father, that you fill my mouth only that it is nothing of myself. I haven't come here to hear myself. Neither have any of these people. Because you are our focus, your precious Son, Jesus, who is our Lord of hosts. He is our Captain. He is our Messiah. He is the leader of this army that you call the bride. So, Father, we pray that your will be done this morning. I give you my hands, my feet. I give you my lips, my mouth. I give you my will. Lord, you have my heart. Do with it what you please this morning. And speak according to what you want. In Jesus' name, amen. It was interesting because in worship... That last song is such a powerful song to me, and and I'm sure to many others here. You will not relent. For me, it holds a very special place in my life because that song was a pivot point for me. It was a time in my life when the Lord was really trying to get my attention to break paradigms in me that I had built over decades. And when that song came out, or I don't even know if it's when it came out, it was the first time I had heard it, it was so clear to me of what he was doing in my life. Because my heart wanted him even though my brain was confused as to what even that meant. right? I've shared so often how I grew up, and I've been a Christian, was saved since I was nine years old, accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. And I was raised Baptist and loved the Baptist world. 
And God began to change my heart. Not that that was bad, but it's different from my perspective of how I thought of things as to who God really is. And more importantly, what he really wanted from me. He wanted this thing that we talk about literally every week. Relationships. He wanted relationship. He wanted me to recognize that there's a back and forth that he desires. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, then he is asking the same thing of you. And, and most of us here know that. But at that time when this song came out, he was working on that. And, and I'm, a, I'm a very loyal person. And, and my dad was a Marine, a lifelong Marine. And you cannot grow up the kid of a Marine and either be totally rebellious or totally loyal. It's one or the other. It's, there's no middle ground. Middle ground, the Marines spit out the lukewarm. <laughs> Right, there is no middle ground in being a, at least in my experience in being a Marine's kid. And and so for me, loyalty was one of the most important things. Loyalty to God, loyalty to my family, loyalty to my friends. And so as God started working on my heart in this, it came up to okay, are you being loyal to me? as in me being loyal to God, or are you being loyal to your paradigms? Are you being loyal to what you've always known, what you've always believed? What happens when I try to show you, and this is the Father talking to me, what happens when I try to show you that your paradigms are a little bit off? Who are you going to be loyal to? And, and I went through this process, and it was not a short process, it was a long process. And then toward the end of this process, this song comes out. And, and I was, you know, I was a worship leader for years, so I was very into worship. That was my world. Certainly my ministry world. And when that song came out, it was like God wrote it for me. I won't relent. I won't give up. I won't stop until you've given me everything. <laughs> Isn't that the most amazing thing in the world? See, my heart wanted him, even though I didn't know fully what that meant. My heart was loyal to this idea of who he was. And there was enough there, enough passion, enough drive, enough love in my heart to where he could work with my paradigms. It still came down to a choice. Am I going to let him work with my paradigms? And it was tough. I got to tell you, it was really tough. And, and we've, we've gone over this so many times. But that song is truth. If you have a heart for God, guess what? He will not relent until you give him everything. And we're coming in a different age 
now. See, it used to be, and we've said this before, it used to be in decades past that you could just kind of move along and, you know, if, if you're not going to be on fire for God, then, okay, well, you kind of fit into this other category of, of a Christian, and people know you're a Christian, but you pretty much control your life. You pretty much move about your life the way you see fit. And I'm not even talking about externally, you know, this crazy sin life. I'm talking about on the external, a good Christian. And you could hide it. You could hide the internal for for years, for decades. You could hide it. Because it was not demanded of you. Because the times were different. Those times are not with us like that any longer. The times are here now where there is a line being drawn and the Lord is saying, are you with me or are you against me? He's not saying that to the world, guys. Because the world's already on the other side of the line. He's saying that to Christians. And it's not that okay, you're on the other side, you will now be forsaken. Please don't get that in your mind. It's about intimacy, closeness with him. It's about being used. Ultimately, it will be about the lukewarm being spit out in Revelation chapter 3. But right now we have a choice. We have a choice as a bride. Why? Because he wants his bride to be passionate for him. He wants his bride to be all out for him. It was interesting, Brooke, in in the worship time, she started to say something, and I thought, Lord, I thought you told me to do that. She, She started to talk about a word that we talked about yesterday that was given a couple of months ago. And we talked about it yesterday in the gifts meeting. But then she summarized it, and I said, okay, good. Well, that kind of works works with it. But he is going to have me read two words that he gave. We shared them yesterday in the gifts meeting. But I want to share them this morning. And I want to explain, first, understand that the times are different. You know, You know what, anybody with eyes and ears should be able to see that the times are different. You know, if, if you're of any age, right, and you've been around for any length of time, you, you can see that. Now, the older you are, the easier it is to see. Times are different. And not just because, you know, I'm 57 years old and, and it's just so different than when I was, you know, in my teens or whatever. That's obvious. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about this war that has always been there between good and evil. Between Satan and God. Right? This war of which, by the way, Satan has so little power in comparison. But God, by choice, equalized the battlefield. By his choice. He equalized the battlefield... Because he made it about your choice. Whew, man, what a responsibility. Literally, 
The God of heaven, by his choice, equalized this battlefield by giving you choice. What a thought. But see, if that goes on forever, let's just say it did. Because, you know, for many people's lives, it it did. It went on for their whole life. It's gone on that way for, for centuries. If it just went on that way for the next three million years, whatever, then what happens with that? Realistically, I want you to think from God's point of view. What happens with that? Some people will choose him. Some people will will be passionate for him. Many people that choose him will not be passionate, but will try to live in a safe zone, but a more controlled zone. That's the the majority of those who choose him. And then the real majority are the people that don't choose him at all. That's how it has been. And is it supposed to go on that way forever? Well, we've talked about this before, but I want you to think about it from a different paradigm. I want you to think about it from God's paradigm. We talk about all the time about how upsetting it is when when on this battlefield, Satan comes and he destroys something that we love. Or takes something that we love, whether, whether it be health, whether it be, you know... Don't even get me started on my red truck. Uh, By the way, okay, I just got to say this because it irritates the heck out of me. Do you know that truck sat for two years? You all know that. This truck that the Lord gave me. I sold it to a dealer, and I thought I got a decent deal. You know, know, a few thousand dollars, I got a decent deal. Better than scrapping the dumb thing. Took him 45 minutes to fix it. $20,000 truck. Took him 45 minutes to fix it. And the guy had the gall to actually send me the video of that. I'm like, are you trying to upset me or hurt me or what? It was irritating. I was like... I don't suppose you'd just let me pay you for your labor. <laughs> no, no. He, he cleared probably about 15000 on a 45-minute job. How irritating is that? See, I fashioned that after something Satan took from me. Because it was never my idea for that thing to go down in the first place. But God. But God. So we could plan to live for millennia that way, generation after generation after generation, where God gets little morsels of what we were created for in the first place. And that is relationship with Him. Those who are passionate, those who are hot, He gets that. But the majority, even of Christians, do not allow Him in in that way. So he doesn't get that. And yet he paid a price of his son's death on the cross. And everything his son had to go through on this earth. 
And yes, even though death could not hold Jesus and raised Him from the dead, and He sits at the right hand of the Father, do not think for a second that there is not an eternal payment for what Jesus chose to do. There is, at the very least, the fact that He is still a man. He's 100% man, 100% God. He sits at the right hand of the Father as God, but as man. Now, I don't know what that means in his relationship with the Lord. I, it, it didn't hurt any relationship. In fact, the Father said how proud of him that he was and how much he adores that he lifted his name above all names. But don't think for a second that Jesus only paid a price for 33 years. He only paid a price when he was in here on this earth. Or he only paid a price when he was on that cross. Or only paid a price when he was being beaten. Don't think that for a second. He pays a price. And the Father pays a price every time you say no to him. It's a price that's paid. Because he didn't just create his creation just as one big blob. I'll make creation and yeah, I get this portion of them to love me. No, he created you individually. He invested in you individually. He offers relationship to you individually. And everyone that turns him down is a stab to his heart. Don't think that Jesus and the Father have not paid that price every moment of every day. So there comes a point where His promises come true. His promises of that intimacy. His promises of Revelation 3.9. Of literally the unity of the bride leading in this world. When is that going to happen? A couple million years from now? If ever? See, from God's perspective... What are you going to do if you are God, if you are listening to those who are passionate for you saying, we want your will, do your will. Bring your bride to a place of unity. What do you think he's going to do? Do you think he's going to listen and listen to that remnant? You bet he is. You better believe he is. In fact, that is the very thing the Bible says, Jesus said himself, that will cause Jesus to come back for Israel. It's when they finally, in unity, as a nation, cry out for him as the Messiah. That's what will bring him back. We know in Scripture that will come after the tribulation period and all of that. It's the desire for him spoken through unity that does it. It's no different than it is now. In fact, what he's doing right now in the bride is he is showing a, through a foreshadowing of things coming for Israel, he is doing for his bride right now. And we've talked about this. 
And in that, he expects his bride to become unified. All throughout the word of God, it talks about this. About the bride being unified. Even in the Old Testament, where it was literally a mystery. Paul talked about that. But see, in wanting unity in the bride, it means there has to be a separation. Because when the bride is not unified, there is that element of confusion with those who are connected together all throughout the globe in the bride. See, we each have influence on others. And there are others who have influence on us. So how do you begin to unify the bride? Unify a thought process, a choice of being here or there. How do you do that? You draw a line. You put a line of division down and you have the bride choose. Literally, choose which direction they're going to go, what they're going to believe in. I say that as I read this because I want you to understand why we are where we are. This is out of love. This is out of desire for unity. This is out of desire for relationship with us. That the Father is doing this. Don't be confused. What is going on in the world today is not because Satan has control of everything and he's doing it. He might be doing it. He doesn't have control of it. Not even close. This is something that God is allowing for the sake of choice. And about two months ago, these two words were given. I'm going to read them to you. And it was of an upcoming time period. And we can look back now and see, okay, yeah, wow. And there's so much more to come. The first one says this, I have come to give you a word from my heart this morning. I am sending you into a new season where dependence and reliance on me will be more critical than ever before. This is not the time for self-reliance of any kind, nor a relying on things you know or have known. For without me, you will not be able to withstand the coming days. In the midst of the darkness becoming darker, I will be your light and will make you the light of the world as you love me. Abide in me and are in me. I have said, trust me, but without your trust in me, you will see before your very eyes what will come to you and what will become of you. I have said, my arms are open to you. I love you with an everlasting love and I will be with you in everything and I will never forsake you. But as you move into this season, if you do not choose me, if you do not seek me with all of your heart, woe to you. But you will be swallowed up by the darkness. I am holy. I am righteous. But I am just. And my justice is here. It is now. 
It is upon you, and you will see it manifest in the earth. Seek my love. Follow my love. Trust my love. Live in my love, for without it, you will be crushed. Believe this word is true. You will know it. You will see it. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then the second the second one that was about the same time, a couple days earlier, actually, and these were two different people, and neither one was me. Although, although on, it was interesting, on the Sunday that that came out was, was another word that had come out in the message that was the same, so same as these two. But this is the second one. I am taking the church into a great time of testing. I am forcing a choice of great reliance and trust, just like I did for the Israelites in the wilderness. Every rug will be pulled out from under them. Every reliance on themselves, their abilities, their human efforts, talents, and positions will all be destroyed. They will choose to completely trust me, or they will be handed over to the ravenous devouring teeth of the spirits of fear. They will have to trust me for sustenance. They will have to trust me for food. They will have to trust me for their very safety. They will have to hand over every family member and person they love to me in complete trust. They will be forced to choose. There will be nowhere else to go. These words, these warnings, come from a God who desires us to see him. Who desires us to recognize him and recognize relationship with him. But also wants us to understand that the time is where he is going to claim his bride. His ready bride. This isn't about going to heaven or going to hell. This isn't about... The fact that you are justified in sin by being saved. This has nothing to do with any of that. This literally has to do with what he is doing with his bride on this earth, in this life. Because Jesus, 2,000 years ago, brought his kingdom to this world. And yet it didn't manifest. We've talked about that. Talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't his intention for it not to manifest. It's just that wasn't something he was going to do. It was something that was to be done from the bride's perspective through him, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it, it needs, it requires our interaction, it requires our partnership with him. Literally, our love. Our relationship. And show me a verse in the Bible that says you can love him a little bit and then be in perfect sync with him. (laughs) There's nothing. Everything in the word of God says he is to be everything to us. Everything. In that perfect harmony of being everything to us, he can work. 
Now, what he's doing is he is taking those individuals that are in perfect harmony with him, that love him, that adore him, that are passionate for him. And he's putting this line in the sand for others that maybe have not yet made that choice. But he's going to start bringing them together, those that are that are passionate, that are in relationship with him, bringing them together. Why? Because it literally is the vehicle that he will use to change this world. That's, he's given us a model of that all throughout the Word of God. All throughout, every, every story in the Old Testament of Israel coming back is that very story where he took either a single person or a few people, and and started to build this remnant. They were on fire for God, and they would not stop until His will was done, no matter what, because they didn't care. Read, Read Hebrews 11. They didn't care even unto death, because what they were interested in was what God was building. See, it's where we are now. We have to be interested more in what God is building because these times, in this time of this line in the sand, the times are dark. Why? Why did the, man, why, why did the, why did they have to be dark? Why do we have to go through this difficulty in order to have this unity in the bride? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Call it human nature. Call it stupidity. (laughs) I don't know why. But it is the course that was set all throughout history. It's what seemed to be required of this earth because of the choice that he gave us in this independent thought. We have a nature that wants to control, a nature that wants to go outside of God. Simply because we were born into this sin nature. When we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, He gives us a clean palate before the Lord, before the Father. And we have an opportunity at that point to partner with Him. But He needs our light to be for Him. Because the light can't be our own. We can't be here at Ignition. We can't be a church that does really good things. And so we have this light that, man, they, they do this great work over in Nigeria. And they, they, they have these great prayer walks at, at the University of Delaware. And they have a great worship team. And, and they have these things that, that are just these lights. And it's great. Oh, man, if that's our light, then that's not light at all. It's light that we're producing. The real light is what God produces through us. And as he is starting to produce light in his remnant, those who are passionate for him, what's he doing? He's turning off the lights everywhere else. That's the darkness. That's what's coming on this world. That's what we're seeing all around us right now. Why? Why do you think he's doing that? Because it makes the light that much brighter 
In fact, let, let's look at that. I want you to go to Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 21. And he said to them, again, Mark chapter 4, verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be... Well, first of all, I don't even know that I need to explain that statement because it's pretty obvious. How many of you have a lamp in your room that you put under the bed? No. Everybody except for Jeff, I should say. No, that would make no sense. You know, well, the only light in my room is in this closet that I keep closed. Yeah, that, that wouldn't even make sense. So it's not real hard to understand that first part. A lamp is for the purpose of light. Okay? Verse 22, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now that gets a little tougher. Because, see, as humans, we're really good at secrets. We're really good at hidden things. Well, I'll tell you what, Christians are, in many ways, even better. Because we can put on this facade, and yet in our life, we can be so corrupt in our thinking, in our actions, in everything. And, and it, it, it's so obvious, I mean, you don't even have to wonder if that's true. I mean, if you've lived for any time at all, you've seen that. You've seen pastors that, that oh my goodness, he, he's been seeing prostitutes for 20 years? Seriously? Or, or pastors that he's been embezzling money for years and years? And, and yet has this big ministry? Or deacons the same way, or workers in the church, or, or worship leaders. Good night. Pick one. And you have that because it, it's easy in the Christian world to hide. It really is. You learn the talk, and you talk the talk, and you hide your stuff. But guess what? Light exposes that. And that's what it meant when he said there, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. There's nothing that you hide that God is not going to expose one way or another. There's nothing, nor is anything secret except what is to come to light. Even God, who kept a mystery in the Old Testament, A mystery of a Messiah that would come. A mystery of what that would even entail. This mystery of the bride. That the Gentile bride would be grafted in. This mystery that came to light and has come to light. So everything hidden is intended to be made manifest. Verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. By the way, you know what that means? If you have a heart to receive, then pay attention. If you have a heart, not, not, not just that you have physical ears so you can hear my voice. He's saying if you have a heart to receive 
from God, then pay attention. Pay attention and receive from God what He is saying. Verse 24, And He said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now that that sounds a lot like the parable of the talents in the book of Matthew, but it's different. And I want to encourage you to dive into this, because this is such a pivot point in a Christian's life. We've seen it ourselves. What he's saying here is you are responsible for what you hear that is from God. Do you understand that? You're responsible for what you read in his word. You're responsible for what you hear from prophets if they are of God. You are responsible to hear what a preacher has said or even what a friend has said that is speaking a word to you from the Lord. You're responsible for that. One, you're responsible to make sure it's the Lord. Right? First and foremost, you're to be a Zebrian. You're to scour the scriptures to prove that which is right. Right? Acts 17.11. That's your first responsibility. But when you have proven that that word is right, then you have a responsibility to receive it into your heart. You have a responsibility of application. Those days of going to church and hiding as a Christian are over. They're over. They don't work anymore because the light will expose those secrets. The light will expose the truth. That is why the darkness is coming and the darkness is even here. Because the light in those that Jesus shines through will bring that exposure. The purpose for exposure of sin is repentance, not death. Death is a result of sin. It's not the purpose. The purpose of this exposure is repentance. And so if the bride would just begin to unite, if the bride would be so in tuned with the Father, He is the one that will unify them. He is the one. That's not our responsibility. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is not to go and build this church as big as we can build it. It's not my responsibility. In fact, he has told me not to do that. It's kind of been the opposite with us. (laughs) What my responsibility is, is no different than your responsibility in this way. And that is that we speak truth as he gives us truth. And those who hear are responsible for that. That's what the scripture just said. And what we read, and there's a tough part there, because it says, if you are given that, you're responsible for it. If you react to it, if you consume it, if you give that to the Lord in your heart, 
then he gives you more. Right? That's, that's what he said here. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and still more added. When you are a steward of what he tells you, this isn't just about what he gives you. If he gives you a good job, gives you, you know, gives you money, gives you relationships, whatever, and you're stewarding that, you're stewarding stuff. I mean, it certainly applies to that. That's what Matthew talks about with the parable of the talents. But it's not just that. It's stewarding what you hear. It's stewarding your mouth. Like it talks about in James, it's stewarding your heart. Giving your heart fully to Him, not holding anything back. When we do that, He gives us more. He gives us more. But the scary part is the next part. And this is what so many people ignore and want to avoid. Verse 25, for the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It's one or the other. It's not that, well, you'll be held accountable for this if you accept it. You'll be held accountable for this if, if you believe it. And then when you stop believing it, you're not held accountable for it anymore. That'd be a very inconsistent God, wouldn't it? No, you're held responsible for it. And the Lord begins to build in you as you give him your heart and you say yes and you step with him in faith and you believe it and he proves out who he is in the fruits of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience. He begins to build all these things. But there's a point, and this is where we're at right now, guys. This line in the sand. If you then choose to go against what he is showing you, what he's showing you, not anybody else, what he is showing to be truth, then you begin to lose that which he has already given you. And it's your choice to lose it. Again, I'm not talking about things. I'm talking about belief. I'm talking about faith. If faith is the most important currency that you can have to give God, which is what it says in Hebrews 11.1, then that currency is something that God heaps upon you as you believe. Right? That makes sense to everybody. Right? As you exercise faith, he gives you more faith. I mean, that can be applied to anything in life. Certainly our walk with God. Right? I had to believe that he would talk to me before I could actually hear him talking to me. Right? And then when I was obedient in that, he heaped faith upon faith. More faith upon more faith. Well, when we start to pull back from him, when we start because of whatever... Could be a million reasons. Could be an offense. Could be a fear. Could be the times that we're in right now. And that fear being so rampant that you pull back to a control place in your life. 
as you start to exercise the opposite of faith, literally pulling your faith back, he takes it back. And that faith is lost. What had been worked between you and the Father so hard is lost because of your choices. So I I don't say this this morning in a light way because when you are exposed to truth, it's important to understand that you have to go to God for it. You have to pour faith into it. And the reason why is because he is making his bride a light. That light is going to shine. That light is going to get brighter and brighter. As the bride comes together, it will become an overwhelming light. We're going to see amazing, amazing miracles happen. He's promised it. We believe it. We're eager for it. We're waiting for it. We see them. We, last week we saw a healing with Shannon. But it's nothing compared to what he wants to do. Can you imagine being in... I'm, I'm going to a funeral on Tuesday of that gentleman that, that where I came upon the car accident last week. And I'm going to that funeral on Tuesday. Could you imagine if the Lord decided to just raise him from the dead? Oh man, I'll tell you what. I, I cannot... It, I, it's not that I can't imagine it. I can imagine it. In fact, I think about it all the time. Why? Because the Lord's promised that he's going to be doing these things. I can't wait. I can't take it upon myself. Well, you promised it. Okay, Lord, so I'm just going to, going to really faith, 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 faith. It's, it's still up to God. But I will not let my faith get in the way. And if he has me do something, I'll do it. You be obedient. That's what he's doing with his light. That's what he's doing with his bride because light attracts light. You watch. You watch what happens with the bride. The bride actually will begin to unify and, and, and they will start coming together on a global scale. And, and sometimes that's so hard to see, especially, you know, when our exposure to other things is simply the social media, we certainly don't get it from the regular media, right? But on social media, we see some of these things. But it's going to become physical, even, even in, in our lives, in our hearts, in our, in our daily existence. Why? Because that light is supposed to shine so bright. I want to urge you, and I'm just going to close with this, but I, I want to urge you, be passionate for the Lord. 
Don't look at this thing intellectually. Don't look at this thing as a category of your life. You know, I have this category that I label as Christian. This category I, I label as, as my relationship with God. I want to urge you, let him, let him permeate everything that you are. Let him permeate your soul. He will. If you ask him to, he will. Because by you asking, you are asking in faith, believing that he will. Ask him for that passion. He'll show you who he is. And what it will do is it will brighten that light. Because each person in here has an influence that nobody else has. Every single person in here. And so it's not like he, well, you know, it's okay to lose this person because, you know, we can make, we have these other connections over here. It's not how God looks at it. You are absolutely precious to him. You are everything to him. You were so valuable to him, he gave his only son. You were so valuable to him, he gave you your choice. Ever think of that? Man, that's tough. You are so valuable to him that he allowed you to choose him. Because the most important thing to him is your love. Your passionate love for him. He absorbs that. He loves that. That's why we are where we are in time, because it is time for him to have it. He deserves it. He deserves the love of a readied bride, of a unified bride. Not a bride that just kind of does well within their little circle. It's not a unified bride. It's not what the Song of Songs talks about. That's not a ready bride. A ready bride is one that is in unity. Unity all over the world. That's the process in which we're in. We live, and we've said it before, we live in probably, if not the most exciting time in history, certainly one of them. The only thing that would rival it would be Jesus on the cross. We live in some of the most amazing, exciting times because God is bringing this to fruition. He is doing it in our lifetime, at our time. He is doing it right now. But see, with that comes a choice. That choice of the line. Are you going to believe him or not? It's not, do you believe God is real or do you believe Jesus is the Messiah? That's not the line. Because there's going to be a lot of people that do not choose God who know Jesus as Savior. It's each of our choices. 
I want to urge you to choose with a passionate, full heart, Jesus. Choose him because your life will never be the same. I promise you. I promise you. I'm living that. There is joy. There is peace. Not just in knowing him as Savior. And I'm, I'm so passionately glad for that. But I'm so passionately glad it didn't stop there. That he wants relationship with me outside of all of you. See, he wants relationship with me outside of all of you. Not, not well, if I get enough people, then he'll have relationship with us. You know, if I get a big enough group together, he'll, he'll okay, yeah, you, you qualify, we'll, we'll have relationship. No, no, I qualify for relationship because I invited his son into my heart. And he became my savior. That's how I qualified. How the relationship is built because I said yes. And I continue to say yes. And I take that yes that is said out of faith and I let faith be built upon faith. Do you know the only part of the faith that's built by me is me forming the word yes and living up to it. The rest of it he does. He does. He'll prove it out. You give him your yes, he'll prove it out. He'll prove who he is. And, and, and I can tell you, I did this at the beginning. I said, Lord, I, I don't believe that you talk to people like it looks like you do in the Bible anymore. I, th- I think, you know, I used to always believe that ended. I don't, I don't believe that anymore, but, but yet I feel like I'm wrong. And this was all about the same time that that song came out. Or just before it. And I remember to this day how serious in my heart I was when I said, I will believe you. I just have to know it's you. I will believe you. Prove it to me in your word because I trust your word. I don't want to trust a a spirit because the spirit of light could be there. And I, I, I don't even know have the discernment of figuring out between them. And, it, and I'm explaining all this right now. Back at the time, it was more that I knew I trusted his word. So, Lord, show me in your word. Do you know what? He did that so fast. He did it so fast. It wasn't like, okay, let me take the next three years and I'll show you in your word. No, he, it, it was a matter of, of really hours. A few days just pouring into his word, pouring into the Greek, pouring into the Hebrew. And then coming out of that, okay, I believe. I believe. I don't hear you, but I believe. So because I believe, God, I want this now. You've shown it to me. You've shown it that it's possible. I want it. I want it, I want it, I want it. I started praying all the time. I want it. Now, you would think he'd be so pleased that, okay, yes, you have said you want it here. Now I will speak to you. (laughs) No. Choices of faith will always be tested. There is always a time period of that faith being proven out. 
Because you could say yes. But do you mean it? I prayed that earnestly so many times a day, every day. And almost to the day, six months went by. And then I heard his voice and changed my life. But yet my life was actually changed before that in the faith that he was building in that six months. Because on that moment that I heard his voice for the first time, I recognized very quickly that I had been hearing his voice all along. Didn't understand that. Didn't know what that meant. But very quickly he started to teach me that we had a relationship that I didn't even know I was building in saying yes. All I wanted was him. That was it. That's all I wanted. That's what he wants from his bride right now. You see pockets of revival popping up. They've been around for 2,000 years, and we go through cycles of this revival, but there is a revival coming. There, and I won't even use that word. There is a time coming where it'll be different than anything we know of in historical revival. How do I know that? Well, the Lord said it. The Lord said it. He even told his disciples that you will do, you know, when the Holy Spirit is released, there will be more miracles, more healings, more things done than than were ever done in my lifetime. But yet that's never happened. Didn't happen with the apostle with the disciples, didn't happen with Paul. Has never happened since. Are you going to pour your faith in in agreement with the word that that he that you believe that? I do. I do and I I I wait for it every day. I wait for it every single day. I pray for it every single day. Just pouring my faith into what he has said. And I'm not the only one. He is springing up these people all over. And he will unify those people. And they will be such a bright light that the Holy Spirit will do all of these amazing things. There is revival coming that will eclipse anything that we know or understand. Because it won't be a pocket in a single church. In a part of this country or that country. It's going to be all over the world. But that will be unified by the people that have given God their absolute yes in everything that they do. Man. By the way, there is no downside to giving God your yes. You may think there is, because giving up control, well, you know, that could seem like a downside. You know, giving up on, on controlling a relationship or controlling maybe your, your career, your job. It may feel like a loss in giving him your yes, but the reality is that's not true. Because he provides everything in that yes. Try him on it. 
try him and it, it you you can you can prove it out yourself this has been the existence of my life over the last 8 years giving up control literally of everything and so what happened he starts to put things under my charge how insane is that makes no sense But it does when you recognize that God wants to work on this earth in that way. He's going to work through his children. So when his children give him yes, their yes, he turns them into this bright light. So I just want to encourage you. Give him your yes every day. Let him turn that light To be so bright. And as he brings you and connects you with people, which in many ways he already has, that bright that light will be that much brighter because it will be combined in unity with those who believe. Let's pray. Father, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. God, I thank you, and it may sound strange, but I'm so thankful for the times that we're in. I'm so thankful for this line that you have put in the sand. I'm so thankful that that line, every time you score it, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Because you're forcing choice. You're forcing choice literally for the sake of those who will say yes. Of those who will be hot for you, who will be passionate for you. Who will give you their yes in everything. I thank you because this is literally you readying your bride in unity. This world's never seen this before. Ever. At best, there have been factions of your bride that have been unified in places. And when it is, we see revival pop up. We see movement of your spirit. But God, it's different than what you're doing now. You're doing it on a global scale. You are bringing your bride together. We trust you for this. Burn a flame inside of us. This flame of passion for you. Burn it so bright, so hot. That when others even look at us or hear us speak, they don't see us and they don't hear us but they see and hear your love and how passionate you are for them. Lord, we love you, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.